Welcome to the Beyond Green 365 podcast. This podcast educates homeowners on how to make healthier choices when updating, remodeling, or building a new home. Step Beyond Green to Healthy supports, advocates, and educates for healthier indoor environments. We make every effort to offer healthier options and learning opportunities. However, our assistance is not specific medical advice for any one person and or medical condition. For specific medical advice, please contact your physician. The content provided by Step Beyond Green to Healthy is for your information only. Any application of this information is your responsibility entirely. Here is your host, Jonathan Sinovic. Welcome back, everybody. Today's guest is Martine Davies of Indoor Environmental Testing. She actually does testing in Tennessee, North Carolina, and Wisconsin. Her One of her offices is in Madison, Wisconsin, where I got the chance to meet her. Her company tests for mold, EMF, and will also test your air quality. Martine has been doing this for over 20 years. In fact, 23 years ago, she got really sick in a house that, that she owned, so much so that she could almost not get out of bed. That sparked this uh, amazing passion she has for creating healthy spaces for us to live and work in. And she does that by testing because that's honestly, that's the only way to find out what's really affecting us. She has been, she's a building biologist. She's been increasing her business load like tremendously. When she first started, we were joking uh, prior to recording this podcast that, you know, when she first started, she was hoping the phone would ring. People would start asking about their quality of, of indoor air in their house. And she would almost wait by the phone. And now she's swamped with phone calls daily because right now her testing is the first step to figure out what might be going on in your house. She loves what she does. And she has a passion for it, and you're going to hear it in her voice today. And I think that's the incredible thing with her is that, you know, when you find someone who's not just doing something because they want to do it, they're doing something because they know that they can help people. And if she has seen that result, it's, she's just an amazing, amazing person, and I can't wait to get on today's discussion. Today's discussion is going to be all about what she finds most commonly when she inspects houses. It's, she's going to give us an insight to what goes on when she, the inspection process, what she may find, and some solutions for that. So without further ado, let's get started. Well, everybody, I, I didn't uh, actually intro her wrongly. I said it at I, my passion for Martine. I've known her for many years, and I am... It is, uh, I don't even know how to begin. It is an honor to actually have her on the podcast today. She has been a huge advocate as a building biologist, as I said in her intro, for a very long time. Her passion, it, uh, again, I'm a little giddy. This is like sitting down, Martine, with like the expert in the, the Madison area. You know, we're, we're broadcasting here out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but I mean, Martine travels everywhere. She has worked with clients across the country. And uh, we actually just got off of a brief kind of start point, and we we, we kind of laughed. We could have talked. We could talk forever. But today, we're going to talk on a specific subject matter, and that is what we find most common in in the, what she finds as she in, inspects houses. So, Martine, thanks for being here today with me. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. <laughs> fun, <laughs> scary, exciting. I mean, it's like kind of all of it. So, everybody out, out there, I know, um, wants to have a little bit more knowledge. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of may, maybe what, uh, maybe the inspection process looks like in a very brief piece so that people kind of get an idea that may not know, you know, before we get into what you might find, what is all involved in, in, in your inspections? Sure. Yeah. So the first part of the inspection is 
uh, a visual inspection of looking for obvious things, you know, like water drips, uh, staining and things, things related to water. Um, and then there's a component of odors. You know, if we have odors, we need to find the source. And uh, odors are unpleasant. Sometimes they can also make you sick. So it's important. And then we have instruments, uh, infrared camera, moisture meters. And, uh, and then the final part is once we have looked at the entire house and we have a pretty good idea of the history of the house, then we're going to start to answer questions about things that we can't see. So that's where the testing comes into play. So we might decide, well, you know, it looks like water intrusion was present underneath this vanity or in the basement. And we may be uh, testing cavities so that we can find out, is there some hidden mold? Most of our clients are coming to us through the medical system. So there are a lot of times they're trying to get answers about their symptoms or their illness. Some of them have already been diagnosed with mold illness and the uh, doctor says, you know, you need to find out where it is in your house. I know you're exposed to it. It's either in your car or in your house or in your work. And now a lot of people don't work in a separate place. They work from home. So it becomes even more important if you have mold that you find it and get rid of it. So that's kind of the process. And then, uh, you know, we send all these samples to your lab and then we get some answers for them. Then the next step would be to hire a professional to remove the mold if we find, find mold. Okay, have you found when it's interesting you say that a lot of a lot of the referrals come from the medical field? Do you think is that a, is that a been a change? Has it always been the medical field, or is this something? I guess this is the first time that I've actually heard you say some referrals mostly are coming from the medical field. That hasn't always been the case, has it? No, it it wasn't at all because the mold wasn't on people's radar. You know, mold was not in the doctor's vocabulary for years. So when we were right. doing this, I started back in 2000, you know, we would get calls from people that they thought they had mold or they smelled mold. They thought it made them sick, but mostly it was actually coming more from like plumbers and electricians that would go in a house and, you know, discover something and say, well, you better get this tested because this looks like it could be more serious than it looks. And then all of a sudden these uh, medical professionals started to go to the, their annual conferences and mold was on the radar and then they the lab started to have a lot of tests that could test people's bodies for mold uh like mold reactions or mold toxins in their in their blood or in their urine so now it's like a huge thing with doctors especially functional medicine doctors um hmm. they're giving uh, batteries batteries of tests to people and some of those tests are including these mold tests so when those tests come back positive the next step is they you know the doctor tells the patient get your house checked get your car checked and that's where we get called wow wow that's i mean that's that's actually i guess in a, in a positive way i mean before it was again it was through a back channel or people who thought they would have some issues now we're we're getting more on the medical side of it which historically Doctors haven't been on on board with, you know, health concerns within the house. It's always been, you know, just just treat the problem. Let's not let's not try and find or just treat the symptom, not the problem. Right. So exactly. Right. It's, it's neat. It's neat to hear. So, so tell us a little, little bit about some of the things that you see when you get to these in, in inspections. Well, as far as seeing um, a lot of mold is actually not visible. So I think uh, that's the key that I was getting at. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
we we start with okay do we see any visible mold those are the like those are easy right so you walk around the basement and you say oh there's a black spot there in the corner by the baseboard okay water came into that wall or that wall got damp or you get a moldy smell um sometimes people don't know it but there is mold under their stairwell in the basement that's a pretty common spot because at some point it might have been 20 years ago but the basement flooded and they clean the basement but they always forget to clean underneath the stairs because it's hard to get to and so we see mold there and then also sometimes behind the water heater because the previous owner maybe you know their water heater leaked uh, they replaced the water heater, but they didn't see that the drywall got wet and it got it grew some black mold. And sometimes that's going to be visible. But as far as visible mold, you know, people are getting much more educated now and they, they do not tolerate visible mold in their house. So we don't see a lot of visible mold. That's that's, that's, that's good, right? I mean, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but it's hard for us because now we got to find the hidden mold. <laughs> right. So, so talk to us a little bit about that, that, that process and, and maybe some of the areas that, that you found it that maybe people wouldn't be thinking about. Well, I would say probably the number one mold source in a house is related to the heating and cooling, the HVAC system. Um, it's just the whole way that the heating and cooling systems are designed in this country is just really conducive to mold. I mean, you have central air in most houses around here, you do anyway, and you've got a coil, you know, evaporator coil inside that furnace. People don't even know there's a coil in their furnace. Most women I talk to, they go, what's that? But that's the one that grows mold. And there's a drip pan underneath that's catching this water. And I would say probably half of the drip pans out there are not installed properly. They're not level. So they're not draining and therefore, they've got sitting water all summer long. It's growing slime and mold. It's keeping the coil damp. And then Yuck. sometimes you have fiberglass insulation around that coil that gets really dusty. So then there's plenty of food for the mold. So we have this brewing thing that's hidden. You can't get to it. You can't even open it. As a homeowner, you can't open it because you've got the Freon line going in there. And uh, you actually have to be a licensed HVAC contractor to even open that technically. So the design is just poor. And then the other part of the HVAC is that people don't know that they're supposed to be cleaned. They think, well, an HVAC system is going to give me 15 years and then I just replace it, but that's not how it works. You know, (laughs) it, it accumulates a lot of dust all year long. And so if you look at the entire system, it's not just your ducts. Your whole furnace, the bottom of the furnace, the um, the filter encasement, the filter box, your blower fan, your blower motor, all that is accumulating dust. And usually within two, three years, it's going to start to have enough dust that if it gets damp in there, mold will say, hey, there's plenty of food here. It's dark. It's damp. Let's set up shop. Which is, which is, which are the two big ones that, that mold grows in, right? Darkness and damp. I mean, that's, that's, it it's, 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 damp. it's like yep. what we would consider. I always, I always tell people when, when you think of a tropical vacation where, where you really want it all and it's all inclusive, that's what dark, damp places is to mold, right? That's right. That's right. It's heaven. <laughs> it's heaven. Yeah, exactly. Heaven exactly. I, I think that's, that's, that's key that people, I think dust, the ductwork cleaning has become, I guess, more common. I talk to people like, oh yeah, I, I actually get that one or 
or two places or, or one or two times a year. I mean, two or three times every year. Oh my gosh, I'm going to try that again. I'm going to go every two or three years, get that duct cleaned is becoming more common. However, you're talking about cleaning the HVAC system. And I think that's something that I'm now, a lot of the certified Stepion Green members in the Milwaukee area, the HVAC contractors have added that piece to even their, their annual or their biannual maintenance, which I think is another key. Like I, I've actually stepped up my cleaning program at mine to twice a year and they, they do the full cleaning every year. And it was a shock to the HVAC company. They're like, why do you want to do this twice a year? Like, because we're changing seasons here so often, right? So we're, we are going from heating to cooling or from cooling to heating. And at that change is a good opportunity to start cleaning that system because it's going to be not using that A-coil, right? So I want the pan cleaned. I, I, I want the A-coil the a to, to be looked at and look and make sure it's not moldy. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I suppose, because it's not going to be used over the winter, so I don't want anything sitting in it. That's right. right? And it's funny because when it comes to HVAC smells and problems and people not feeling good, we always get those calls in October. That's when, you know, it's like they've got all this mold that grew over the coil and in the drip pan and all that slime. And now it's dried up and it's giving it to them all winter long and they have the windows closed now. So they're breathing that. And so when we get those calls in October and they say, oh, we got that smell when we turn the heat on. It's okay. It's probably inside there. So, yeah, that needs to be cleaned. And the other thing is. The duct cleaning for decades, duct cleaning was just cleaning ducts. And right. now if you look at the air, uh, the National Air Duct Cleaning Association, they have a whole list of things that you're supposed to clean during duct cleaning. And a lot of the cleaning is not ducts. It's actually cleaning the entire system. But the problem is around here, at least, they don't do it. They even know they go to the school, they know it's supposed to be done. But it takes too long. So they just clean the ducts and people don't know the difference. So I tell my customers, ask them what they're going to clean exactly. You want a list because they have to clean the entire system and it needs to be vacuumed. How do you get dust out of your blower motor or your blower fan? You have to vacuum it. And guys don't like to vacuum. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. It is true. (laughs) So aside from the HVAC system, what are what are some of the other areas that you tend to tend to see hidden mold in? Uh, the other area still related to HVAC is this whole fresh air intake system. Oh, okay, yeah. That is a huge that. one. That's a huge one. So whether it's just uh, we're seeing a lot of houses in uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin, they have this fresh air duct that goes directly into the supply trunk. And those things will get moldy within about two years. And a lot of them, people don't even know they're there, number one. They don't even know what that does. Uh, They've been there since the house was built. Okay, so that's usually like 15, 20 years. And we just automatically tell them, you know, this is going to have to be replaced or removed entirely. And then, of course, the uh, HRV heat recovery ventilators, energy recovery ventilators, those boxes get moldy. If you're going to have one of those, it's got to be cleaned meticulously at least twice a year. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you look at your user manual, it tells you every quarter now. Yep. It does say for, yeah, it does say every quarter. And I think we've, we've seen a lot of, especially in our climate in, in the Midwest, because the way our houses are built, uh, we're seeing that the easiest place to add the intake is, where the floor system is, where it meets the concrete wall. 
and that's so close to the ground, right? So as yeah. we're bringing, we're always bringing in, I mean, people mulch around that or there's grass around it. And a lot of what we're seeing is debris in those, those intakes because it's drawing air in, right? And there is no... Yes. There's no screen, and if there was, it'd be clogged, and that would be a problem too. But it's it's one of those things that I think ever since you started to enlighten us about it, even right. So on, on the contractor side, it's we're actually looking for the clients who are looking for those. We're actually creating boxes now where we're bringing that intake four or five feet up in the air to try and get it away from all of that moisture set, and we're you know so that if, if that's how we're going to deal with it, even if it's a fresh air intake without an ERV or HRV, we just still we, we want to be sure that we're getting as clean of air. As, as far as debris goes. Now, then we're also trying to look at what's across from the opening, right? We, we're building houses really close together. So we're trying to be conscious of where somebody else is exhausting. You know, that's another yeah. one that, that the people don't really think about is that if somebody's dryer vent is within six feet of the house next to you and it's exhausting near your yeah. intake, um, all I'm doing is, is taking their freshener from their, their dryer that they're using and it's dumping it right into my HVAC system, right? Disgusting. Disgusting. Well, it's that I never understood that either. Uh, when I had the fresh air exchanger installed in my house, I had a, I had them go on the roof for the fresh right. air intake. But the other thing is, if you think about it, the two things that you don't want for mold growth would be dust and debris and mold spores of seeds and humidity. And like in the summer, that's what you're doing, right? You're just right. stuffing like all these mold spores, which are really abundant in the summer and you're stuffing a bunch of humid air and then you're putting that into your system. It's just not smart. I don't know what the answer is. I just know this is not working. Now, right. if we could, if we could filter because they put a screen, which is going to prevent debris from going in, but the screen is not preventing mold spores from growing in, right. going in. So you'd have to have like a little bit of a filter. It wouldn't have to be a fancy HEPA filter or anything like that, but you'd have to have some kind of filter that would go down to, I don't know, you know, like eight micron or something, which is like mold spores kind of start around 10, I think. Uh, And then, you know, you would have to dehumidify the air before you bring it in. Right. Now in Florida, the guys down there have kind of started to develop something like that where they actually have like a HEPA filter and a dehumidifier before they bring the the, the fresh air into the system. It's pretty complicated what they're doing, hmm. but that that seems to be like getting them better results. Got it. Got it. Sure. So, so with that, um, you'd mentioned something about, you know, sinks and vanities, basements, attics. Do you want to talk a little bit about wh- what you're seeing in those places? Yes. Well, again, it's like a design flaw, I hate to say that, but it's not even a builder's design flaw. It's actually a manufacturer design flaw. We see a lot of mold underneath the kitchen sink uh, and the vanities underneath the shelf, you know, that bottom shelf where people put all their products. Well, there's no way to remove that. So the odds of having some kind of leak occur in a 20-year period when you had that vanity or kitchen sink, those odds are pretty high. I would say probably 80, at least 80% of the sinks and vanities that we test have mold underneath them and sometimes pretty toxic stuff and a lot of it. And so I kind of started years ago. It was by accident. I was done with an inspection and this woman, um, we were basically wrapping up and I said, is there anything that I haven't tested that, you know, you're concerned about? Like, is there a room in the house, for example, 
that you just, you know, really don't feel good in. And she said, well, every time I'm doing the dishes, I get dizzy. I see spots, you know, I'm really not feeling good around the kitchen. So I thought, well, she's doing dishes. I'll test underneath the kitchen sink, you know. So I put a tube in there and I get under there where the plumbing goes. And it comes back with huge amounts of toxic black mold. So Hmm. she gets that out. Of course, you know, she had no way of knowing that because how do you remove that shelf? You don't. It's part of the cabinet. And you've got this space between the floor and that shelf. And so if water went down there, it's going to grow mold and it's going to stay there forever. So she had had that for quite a while. And of course, the symptoms went away as soon as she got rid of this mold. So that's when I started to test all the kitchen cabinets and I'm finding 80% about on average have some kind of mold in there because it just, it dripped. If you imagine the scenario, right? So you go to, to get something under the sink. Oh, there's a wet spot. Well, let me clean that up. So you take your stuff, you fix the leak, you clean the shelf and you're done. You forget about that four or five inch space underneath that's still wet is going to stay wet for quite a while and it's going to grow mold. Wow. Yeah. And again, you think the visual piece of it, like we started off this conversation with the visual piece goes away, but yeah, you're not, you're not conscious of what's underneath there. Right. And that's, 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 that's incredible. So hmm. what needs to happen is they need to make vanities where the shelf is removable, where you just lift it. So when you have a leak, you can clean under there and dry it that's all <laughs> see it's that simple see and i think we've got a new product market right routine i think that's what we do is we sell just sink bases they're gonna <laughs> they're well and the other thing that happens a lot too is in you know especially in older homes uh at some point you know your wax seal fails under the toilet you got a little bit of water seepage Oh, okay. We need to fix that. So you fix that and that's it. Well, if it was seeping for, you know, five, six months or 12 months, that water was seeping way out all the way to the wall. And so sometimes Mm. we'll see the, the wall cavity itself behind the toilet has mold from that incident. And you don't have any way of seeing that. Interesting. Yeah. Because it'll seep. And then when you replace your floor, you find that there's, black stuff under your floor all around the toilet because it was seeping a little bit but it never came up especially if you've got tile but even linoleum you know or you don't necessarily see that it was wet under there wow Hmm. so there's all kinds of hidden places like that um yeah and then the next one would be like basements of course basements have a lot of issues like carpet on the slab depending on how damp your basement is and how damp your slab is, the carpet is going to probably start to grow mold. And then the way that you'll know is when it starts to smell musty down there. Um, And then even vinyl floors, you know, people are going away from carpeting now. They're going with the waterproof uh, laminate flooring or whatever. And it's kind of funny because these floorings, they're waterproof, but they're not mold proof. Right. You can still have mold growing on the back of that and stinky. Now you can take it, take the floor off and clean it because it's waterproof. You could literally wash it and reinstall it. But the fact is that it still grew mold. So waterproof doesn't mean mold proof. Right. And, and, and that, and that can be there, you know, to avoid that, obviously keeping the humidity level, level under control down, down there to the proper, that would definitely be 
the first step in, in trying to avoid that. Say I, I just put that flooring in and I wanted to avoid any, you know, there was that musty smell. I tore the carpet out. We made sure that there was nothing there. Obviously to avoid that, we want to control that humidity as the first step, correct? Absolutely. And the other thing that you could do too, I've seen pretty good results when people seal their concrete, um, you know, like with radon seal or something. If you've got virgin concrete where you can do that, those, some of those products do a pretty good job of not just reducing radon, but they reduce humidity. So you'll have less chance of having that moisture seep up into your flooring. So that helps. Well, we've just got a couple more minutes here for this for this podcast. Are, are there any things that you would suggest to the, the person that's, that's listening right now as just easy things to keep an eye out? We talked about hu- humidity today, but we didn't. Do you have a certain percentage humidity that you want to keep areas that could you give a couple tidbits or, or, or fun things that someone could do at, at their house to kind of avoid the disastrous pieces that that you tend to walk into? Yes, the the dehumidification is pretty much a must in Wisconsin in basements. Uh, People that don't do that usually will start to get white mold growing on their belongings, you know, on their furniture. It's usually going to start at the bottom because that's where it's most moist or most damp. So it'll start to grow like on the feet of the couch or the feet of chairs and tables. Um, Hmm. So running the dehumidifier now, they say that mold starts to grow at 58% relative humidity. Some species do. Some species need a lot more than that. But when we're talking about dehumidification, we're talking about 58% humidity or less of the air. The problem is that the surface humidity is what counts when, when it comes to mold growth. So right. you could have... You know, you could have 58% of the ambient air humidity, but you could have 65% on the table feet, for example, or underneath the table, underneath the dresser. And so mold is going to grow there, even though your humidity is low. So I tell people just put the dehumidifier on 40 if you can afford it and just hope for the best because it all depends on the water table, your own basement, how tight the house is, what kind of insulation. There's so many factors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I usually tell, tell the other people, if you can get it down, if, I mean, set it at, at 40, it may never shut off, but at least, you know, you're trying to get it there. You know, it, yeah. I think it's, it's always it one of those things. To be there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. It doesn't need to get there, but at least you're, you're making this thing work hard. Right. But exactly. the other thing, interestingly enough too, that we're finding is it's not visible, but most basements that have uh, open joists and uh, fl- ceiling, you know, where the, the basement is not finished. Most of these joists have mold on them and you don't see it. If you swab joists, just about any basement is going to come back at the lab with quite a bit of mold and you just don't see it. It's not visible until it's pretty advanced. Hmm. So people don't like to hear that, but vacuuming your joists occasionally, you know, maybe once a year, it's not a bad idea. It's a nasty job. Boring, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what though, if, if if it can save you from a health problem later, I think you everybody could suck it up and just vacuum their joists once a year. You know, that's right. <laughs> or or you know, if it gets advanced enough, and now you've got to pay fifteen twenty grand to get it done professionally, it's probably worth it to just do that once or twice a year. Excellent, excellent. All right. Any last thoughts for our for our listeners out out there? I mean, again, we could talk forever on this, but uh, but our time is up for today. Any any last things you want anybody to know out there? 
Uh, well, just that we can, you can find mold just about anywhere. So just be on the lookout for these little boogers, white, black, brown, green, orange. They can take all kinds of colors. Uh, they don't always smell bad. So okay. just keep things dry. Dry is the word. So the key, to, the, the, the key that I think that she just repeated a bunch is dry, dry, dry. And I think if you're out there listening right now, remember that if you're seeing it, more than likely there's there's more behind the scenes there. If you can't see it, Martine's saying it's probably there. So we just want to make, we want to do our best to prevent um, as much as we can. Va- vacuuming Joyce is one suggestion today. Making sure your HVAC system is cleaned on a regular basis, not just you know, service every once in a while, that 15 years doesn't mean that you can look at it 15 years from now. Uh, so we want to make regular maintenance on our on our ductworks as well as our HVAC systems. Also, maybe have your HVAC person check that intake. Even if you don't have an ERV or a- a- HRV, new home construction requires fresh air intakes as part of the state code. So, you know, maybe you haven't actually un- have it detached and looked inside there lately. It might be time to, re- to replace it if it's been five or six years for sure. Otherwise, make sure your HVAC engineer is checking out to make sure you got nothing growing there. Martine, it is always a pleasure. I look forward to the next time that we get to chat. Thank you. Step Beyond Green's mission is to create healthier indoor environments for us to live and work in. This is one of the ways that we do this. Please like, subscribe, or share this, as well as leave a comment below about this topic, or maybe it's a topic you'd like us to discuss in the future. As always, stay healthy. We'll see you next time.